Cahill Summers. And I'm Deirdre Lynn. Your Chagas Sustainability Advisors. And you're welcome to the Chagas Environment Edge podcast number 34, bringing you the latest information, science and opinion to improve farm sustainability. With over 100 demonstration farms across the country, comprising of many different farming enterprises, leading the way in implementing practices to solve our social, economic and environmental challenges. Our friend of the show, Siobhan Kavanagh, Chagas Communications Specialist with the Signpost Programme, joins us to discuss how it's going and also tells us what we can look forward to see in the Signpost Village at Beef 2022. Siobhan, you're very welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Delighted to be with you. Yeah, Siobhan, you're, you're going for a little while now. How long are you into the, into the programme now at this stage, roughly? We're, we're just over a year. We launched it in late May 2021. So, yeah, we're just over the year. Um, yeah. Going well. So- Good, good. So your your the boots are firmly on the ground at this stage. Just Siobhan, I suppose, just for any of our listeners that are not that familiar with the program, can you tell us a little bit about and and who's involved in the collaboration and and who are the main rac- actors, I suppose, in the program? Okay, so the Signpost program is a collaboration led by Chagask of um, various actors or various stakeholders in the industry. So all our milk processors, meat processors the farm organizations, state bodies, media, other people like ICBF, AHI and others, as well as farmers, are the key key people involved involved in this collaboration. Our main focus is improving farm sustainability. And as Deirdre mentioned earlier on, it's social, economic and environmental sustainability. So when we talk about sustainability a lot at the moment, it's it's referred to as, as your environmental sustainability. But what we're trying to do is take a very holistic approach to sustainability and encompassing all three. So economic, social and environmental. The main focus of the programme is to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions and achieve our targets set out in Climate Action Plan 2021. So that's to reduce our emissions by 22 to 30%. So that is one of the key focuses. But we will also look at uh, reducing, obviously, our ammonia emissions, but also improve water quality and enhance biodiversity on farms. Just when you mentioned on the, the I suppose, the, the economic side as well, that's something we're kind of forgetting in the last couple of years, isn't it? We're, we're gone so environmental. We, we have to realize you still have to make money because the business and also manpower are, is becoming a problem, whereas help on the farm is a problem too, isn't it? Yeah, and I think that's why it's really important that this program does take a holistic approach. Like we can't go after sorting out, sorting out the environment unless farmers are making a reasonable income from it. And likewise, that they have a good work-life balance, that they have the labour to run their farm. So it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a really important component of it. And I think that's why, I mean, when we talk about sustainability, too often people just assume that's interchangeable with environmental sustainability, but it's not. You need to look at all the different elements. And the other one that's in there, I suppose, that I didn't mention is the whole innovation piece that there's going to be a lot of innovations will become available, a lot of new technologies that will become available to farmers over the next couple of years to meet their requirements to reduce emissions. And, you know, the capacity to adopt those new technologies will be really, really important at farm level. I suppose farmers are always focused on the financial end, aren't they really? You know, they have to be. Yeah, they have to be. Yeah, and and the, the good thing about it, and I know we'll talk about the technologies in a few minutes, but many of the technologies that we have to help farmers to reduce their emissions are also good for their bottom line. So it's a win-win with a lot of the technologies that are there right now in the MAC curve. And, and that's a big plus to us. Like, it's an easier sell to ask anybody to adopt a technology if it's going to be good for their bottom line as well. And, and that has to be the starting point with it, I think. You have a number of farms or demonstration farms which are spread all over the country, Siobhan. How were these selected? 
Yeah, so at the moment we have 117 signpost farms and that number may grow over the next short, short while, but that's what we're starting out with. What we've done is, is try to have as, as big a range as possible in terms of the enterprises. So we've all the main enterprises, dairy, beef, sheep, um, tillage, pigs. We have a few organic farmers. Um, yeah, and that's, that's pretty much the range of the, the enterprise types. And then we've tried to make sure that we have a good geographical spread on those farms. So basically, we've 12 advisory regions. Most advisory regions or all advisory regions would have somewhere between eight and 12 signpost farmers. And the idea of that is that every farmer within those counties or within those regions would have a farmer basically on their doorstep that is one of these lead demonstration farmers that they can see what, they, what they're doing. And the way we view those is a little bit like Operation Transformation. These signpost farms or demonstration farms are like the leaders on Operation Transformation. They're, they're taking the, the, they're adopting, they're the early adopters of the technologies. And by them doing that and demonstrating that at a local level, it might encourage and inspire other farmers to adopt those technologies as well. So generally, they're so across the enterprises, across the, the all the regions, and they, as I said, they, they tend to be the farmers that are the earlier adopters of the technology. Sometimes, ahead of even research results coming out, they're the early adopters, and they tend to have the attitude that they they trust the research. They will question it, which is what we want them to do, but they trust that the research will deliver solutions to them. Um, and, and that's basically the makeup of the signpost farmers across the country. It is important, isn't it, to have that number of farms across the country so that any farmer within the country feels they can, you know, they can visit one or pick up the phone because oftentimes, like you, you touched in there, Siobhan, when we see new technology, we don't always believe it straight away. We have to, we, we have to look at it and investigate yeah. it a good bit, don't we? Yeah, and I think you have to see it at a local level. Like it's one thing um, to see a technology being developed either in Moor Park or Oak Park or Johnstown Castle or Grange or whatever it is. That's fine. And they'll say, yeah, it's all very well for them. They have the staff, they have the expertise to implement that technology. But it's really bringing that back to a local level that farmers can see these technologies being adopted on local commercial farms, farms that they can see see themselves in you know a commercial farm that has the same type of labor as them maybe the same educational training um, and to be able to see firsthand what's happening so the idea and i know we're going to be talking about the communications on this in a while but it's really important for us that the visibility of all these signpost farmers locally is really strong whether that be through the local papers or social media or text messages going out so that they can kind of track the progress of these farmers as they go along from year to year and, and maybe try and follow what they're doing um, over the next couple of years. So, yeah, the really the local communications and the local visibility of these farmers is really important. Farmers learn from other farmers um, they learn from watching what other farmers are doing. They're seen as champions, I think. They're champions. The yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. They're the inspiration. I certainly in events and, and discussion groups, I've told told farmers pick up the phone and give some of the signpost farmers a ring just to see how they're getting out of things and it's it's a great opportunity just you mentioned technologies Siobhan on, on the signpost farms what kind of technologies are the main ones being employed by the program yeah before I go into the existing technologies that are there I might just give a, a quick overview of, of kind of where what is the roadmap where are we heading for like we've set a target of achieving a reduction or the government has set a target of achieving a reduction of greenhouse gases between 22 and 30 percent by 2030 and at the moment we have technologies there that will probably do that's about seven and a half million um or seven and a half yeah million tons of a reduction and 
what, what we have the technologies to achieve a proportion of that, probably a third of it or slightly less than a third of it. And they're the technologies that we're encouraging farmers to adopt at the moment. And then aside from that, science will provide us with more technologies to achieve, achieve the remainder of that. Um, so the technologies that are there at the moment, so they're, they're all coming from the MAC curve. I'm not going to go into the details of the MAC curve, but basically the MAC curve sets out the technologies that are available to farmers to reduce emissions. So the key technologies, a lot of them, when I list them now, you look at them and go, but are there already existing technologies um, that are there to improve my efficiency? And that's why there is a big overlap between the technologies to reduce your costs and improve profitability and to reduce emissions. So protected urea, I suppose, is one of the newer ones. Um, we're encouraging these signpost farms to, to use protected urea instead of, of can and, and ordinary urea, but in particular can. Um, improve, improving the soil pH on their farms, so releasing the nitrogen so they can reduce their nitrogen, nitrogen input and improve productivity. That's a very simple one, but it has a huge impact. Reducing chemical nitrogen use, so liming is part of that story, um, more sustainable use of the fertilizer, so more targeted approach, so the right place, the right time, the right quantity and right type of product. Um, the use of clover, um, increasing the use of clover to reduce nitrogen input. Like reducing nitrogen, chemical nitrogen input on farms is going to be um, one of the biggest um, things that we need to do to reduce our emissions. And probably one of the ones that's that's quite challenging, clover can be quite challenging to implement and does take a good deal of management, management but it is it has potential. And we've seen that in Solhead, huge potential to reduce our emissions. Um, what are some of the other technologies then around, around efficiency, um, improving breeding performance um, on the beef side, reducing aged slaughter? Um, there are some, some of the, the main ones, improving nitrogen use efficiency, which is really about reducing um, nitrogen input on farms. Um, on the beef side, reducing the age of first calving, um, breeding four and five star animals, improving EBI on the dairy side. So it's a combination combination of reducing our methane emissions on the animal side, which is the likes of the breeding and the efficiency performance there, and then reducing our nitrous oxide emissions through improved um, or sorry, more sustainable fertilizer use. There's a, there is a research element to, there to the program as well, Siobhan. And I'm going to tell you, you know, dad jokes. I got the first farmer joke there about a month ago, and I'm going to tell you in a second. But tell me a bit about the, the flux towers. I went out to a farmer there a month ago, and he said to me, What the flux is that? <laughs> that was yeah. the best joke I ever heard. <laughs> Very good. So, yeah, the third element of the program, like there's, there's three main elements. One is the signpost farms or the demonstration farms. Two is the, is the advisory campaign. And then three is the research. And the research is really around. Um, it's it's part of the NASCO or the National Agricultural Soil Carbon Observatory. It's a bit of a mouthful, but it, it's about um, trying to put figures on how much carbon has been sequestered in in our soil and our, our hedgerows. That's the, the that's the third component of the sign of the signpost program. So all of our farmers are in, involved in that. So there's there's three main ways of measure, measuring the carbon that's been sequestered in our soils. One is through soil sampling, which is takes time because we will sign, we will soil, or we soil sampled all those farms last year, all the signpost farms. They'll be done again in five years' time to identify how much carbon is actually sequestered. So that's a slow progress process. The second one is the flux tower, which is what you mentioned, and that basically measures at an ecosystem level how much carbon is, is, is being sequestered in our soils. And then the third one is to develop models. And really, we want to get to the situation using the flux towers and using the soil samples is able to identify on different soil types 
different management practice, different years. I think even the weather can contribute to it. How much soil is actually being sequestered in our, car in, in our soils? Farmers are quite frustrated. They know their soils are sequestering carbon and the field are not getting the credit for that. But the only way we can give farmers credit for that is if we know exactly how much carbon is sequestered in our soil. So the, the, the flux towers is part of that story. So I think there's about 17 of them gone in to date. They're gone in on some of the research centers. They're gone in on some of our signpost farms as well. And, and that's part of that, building up that picture of how much carbon has actually been sequestered. Um, the demonstration farms need supports. Um, how does the programme link with advisory to get the key messages across, Siobhan? Yeah, and the advisory is a key component of this. Like, I'm responsible for communications, and I can all, do all the communications I want at a national level, but unless that filters down to the local advisory offices, but also the advisors in our partner organizations, we're not going to get um, technology adoption. Like, if you want, if, if to go back and just go back to the basics of how a farmer comes to become aware of a technology, accepts that it'll work and then adopts the technology. There's a couple of stages in that. So we make them aware of the technology. That's stage one. Stage two is, is a better understanding of it. So they attend a farm walk or they attend a seminar and they, they, they begin to understand the technology better. The third stage, I suppose, is accepting that, yeah, this is a technology that could work on my farm. I see it working on um, Shane Fitzgerald's farm below in Waterford, well, maybe it might work in my farm. And it's really that stage four, Deirdre, is, is really the advisory piece. It's the one-to-one, it's the discussion groups, it's the, the, far, the farm visits out to that farmer. It's basically the farmer ringing up their advisor and saying, look, that technology looks good. Uh, it, it helped me to, or, or enable me to be able to adopt that at farm level. So that's really key to us. Information is freely available, but it's getting it that, down to that point where the farmer is actually engaging with the advisor through a discussion group or a one-to-one to adopt the technology. So there's a big... Uh, um, communications plan within all of our advisory regions to try and deliver that to, to give the farmer the one-to-one and I suppose we'd be hoping that additional resources would be put into that over the next six months or so to help us to deliver that but aside from the advisory piece it's really important that our, our partners also are delivering the same message so they are milk quality advisors that are out on farm the, far, the, the, the sales reps are selling feed and feed and fertilizer and seed mixes that that they are all aware of the messages that we're all delivering the one message and like one of the cohorts that we're spending time at the moment training and Seamus Carney my colleague is doing a lot of this is actually engaging with the people that are directly talking to farmers in, say, the co-op shops. Because if we think about it, like Chagas deals with 42 or 3,000 farmers. There's a big cohort of farmers that are not dealing with an advisor. And they might deal with literally their accountant, their bank manager, their vet, and whoever sells them the feed and fertilizer inside in the co-op shop. So that person in the co-op shop has a huge influence on what that farmer buys. So if he's going in to buy fertilizer to understand in talking to him that, yeah, protected urea is cheaper than can, it's going to deliver the same job, it's as effective, and, and still it's good for the environment. Likewise, if they're buying um, a seed mix, they're going reseed and, you know, to highlight the importance of putting clover into that seed mix. So it's at a, at a number of different levels locally. It's not just our Chagask advisors. It's not just our educators in the college, but it's also our partners, our organizations. And that's why we have so many partners in there to try and leverage the capacity of those farmers to talk to, or the capacity of those people that are interacting with farmers to get the message out to a much, much wider audience. Well, collaboration being so important, I suppose we've been afforded the opportunity, Cahill and I and our ASAP team as well, to work collaboratively with advisors um, on the ground. Um, you, 
you know, on water quality and biodiversity on these farms as well, which was great. Yeah, and it, it, like anytime you have collaboration like that, and everybody is 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 singing off the one hymn sheet, and the message, like we all, we're, we're, we're no different farmers. The more you hear a message, the more you become familiar with it, and the more likely you are to adopt it. So if all of the partners, the collaborators, whether it be on the asset program or signpost, and there's a lot of overlap between them, the more people that are talking the same language, the better chance that we have of, of getting engagement and, and getting actually enabling farmers to adopt these technologies and have the confidence to do so. Yeah, look, the, the primary objective, I, I presume, Siobhan, is mass adoption across the country. So I suppose what are you kind of doing to get that message beyond the 117 uh, demonstration farms to the normal farmer? I know you have a very good news that are going out monthly. Yeah, so in terms of the communications, we have a national plan that I'm responsible for. And then we have the local plans, which I, which I mentioned earlier on. Um, in terms of the national plan, um, we put out a newsletter once a month and that will feature... Um, useful articles around the technologies and the, and the adoption of the technologies. It will usually actually include a decision support tool. So last month it was a biodiversity tool. The month before it, it was the Grass 10 newsletter. Um, there was one in there recently on, on calibrating your, your fertilizer spreader. We generally profile the signpost farmers. We provide an update on um, the research that's happening in some of our research centers. And then what we do every month is we provide um, um, an infographic of climate actions. So these are timely climate actions that signpost farmers and all farmers can take on their farm within that month. And, and this month it's use protected urea, don't forget to lime, don't leave it to the back end of the year, don't forget sulfur. If you haven't started milk recording, make sure and do so. Uh, weigh animals to make sure they're on target for earlier finishing. So we put out timely, six timely messages every month through that newsletter and through social media try, to try and encourage farmers to take actions. Because very often it's just a prompt like that, oh, they mentioned liming this month, maybe I'll get out a bit of lime on, on the silage ground that I cut, cut last week. So, you know, it, it's timely actions like that. So the newsletter is one. We also do a good deal of profiling of the signpost farmers in national media. So in the Farm Examiner, you'll see that we profile um, a couple of dairy farmers, beef and tillage and sheep farmers on a monthly basis, same in the independent. The Farmers Monthly does, the, does one a month as well for us. Um, and then through various newsletters as well, we get, get information out. We have to be very careful that we don't over-rely on social media. I know digital has, has taken over our lives to a large extent, but if we want to reach all 110 or 20,000 farmers, we need to use local media as well. So we would put articles out through the local newspapers, through the local radio. So it's across all channels that are available to us, Call really, that we will try and get information out. Say, for example, at the back end of this year, we'll have Sustainability Week. Um, and signpost sustainability week and the idea of that is to highlight the actions that farmers are taking and support farmers in taking those actions but also to um, create awareness among the non-farming community about what's happening on these farms and I suppose farming has come in for a lot of negative press in recent times and you know we, we need to be able to demonstrate that yes farmers are taking the cl climate change and the other challenges around water quality and uh, biodiversity, they are taking it serious and they are taking actions to try and improve um, sustainability on their farm. So we, we see it as having three cohorts of, of people that we need to engage with. We've all our farmers, we've our partners, and then the general public, because there's probably a new cohort of people that we need to be engaging with so that they're aware of where their food is coming from and what we're doing to improve sustainability. Brilliant, Siobhan. Um, Chagas have a big event coming up in Grange on the 5th of July, Beef 2022. Um, what can we expect in the signpost village? 
Yeah, so the Signpost Village, the Signpost Programme is one of our flagships programmes. So it is a, a flagship um, event or village within the Signpost, or sorry, within Beef 2022. So in the village, we will be demonstrating all the key technologies that are available to farmers right now to reduce their emissions and the ones that we want early adoption on. But also we'll showcase the research that's going on in Grange, in Johnstown Castle and elsewhere. Um, the research that's coming down the line in the next couple of years um, to provide us with new technologies and new solutions, particularly around how to reduce methane emissions. So looking at additives, looking at aged slaughter, looking at breeding, looking at multi-species swords. So it, it's kind of shown the roadmap the current technologies and the technologies coming down the road. So within the section on current technologies, to say we'll highlight all the main or demonstrate all the key technologies. We'll explain what climate change is about. What's the basics of it? Where are the emissions coming from? We have a stand on soil health call, which, which you yourself is on. And I didn't mention it earlier on as one of the technologies, but it is absolutely fundamental to what we do. If we don't look after our soils, we're not going to be able to grow our crops. We're not going to be able to grow grass and feed our animals. We have focused on soil fertility a lot in the past, but there needs to be a shift now towards focusing a little bit on, on soil health. The ACID, the ACID, our ACID team, so Deirdre, some of your, your own team will be there as well to talk about water quality and the actions that farmers can take. And they're doing a nice little demonstration on uh, um, on, on margins and, and um, margins around ri rivers and waterways to, to reduce the impact of, of slurry spreading and um, fertilizer spreading. We'd have a stand on biodiversity. We have the opportunity for farmers to come up with a small plan themselves. So at the end of that village, we have a number of advisors that will be available to help farmers to identify two or three key actions they might take. Having seen the technologies, they might identify two or three key actions that they may, might take on their own farm in the next 12 months. And then finally, the, the, the final piece to it is um, visitors will get the opportunity to meet some of the signpost farmers. So the future beef farmers and the dairy beef 500 farmers, they're an integral part of the signpost program. So they'll get an opportunity to meet them, hear how they're getting on their sustainability journey. So do you know what's motivating them? What are their challenges? What are their concerns? What actions are they taking right now? Um, and then alongside them, we'll have some of the processors will, who will talk about do you know, consumer demand for sustainable food, and, and that's rising all the time. So, look, we've a, we a good mix of the technologies. Um, it'll be quite interactive. We have a lot of demonstrations at the event. So we'd encourage everybody to come and spend a little bit of time with us in the village and hopefully go away with a couple of actions that might take on their own farm as a consequence of, of visiting us. Okay, a great opportunity to see what's going on in the beef industry and the technology around it and all the different aspects of it. Um, and you'll also get an opportunity to meet myself and Deirdre and Siobhan, I'm sure we'll be up there. Myself and Deirdre are actually going to record a podcast up there. So if any farmers want to come up and have a chat to us on the day and let us know what you're doing on your farm, we, we'd be delighted to meet you. Siobhan, really enjoyed that chat today. Thanks a million for your time and looking forward to seeing you up in Grange on Tuesday, 5th of July at Beef 2022. You're very welcome. Thank you very much. That's it for this episode of the Chagas Environment Edge podcast. Thanks to Siobhan Kavanagh, Chagas Communication Specialist with the Sign Post Programme for joining us on the show. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. You can listen on Apple and Google Podcasts as well as Spotify. And for more information, go to the Chagas website at chagas.ie. I'm Cahill Summers. And I'm Deirdre Lynn. Join us next time for the Chagas Environment Edge podcast, Signpost to Farm Sustainability. <laughs>